Hello and welcome to today's episode of Across the Bifrost, the Mighty Thor podcast, where we explore the world of Marvel's Mighty Thor. My name is Ryan Doz. I am your host today, and we have an awesome double feature in store for you today. We are going to talk all about the third episode of Marvel's What If series, now on Disney+. Plus. This episode takes place during the first Thor movie, and it has a lot of tie-ins and lead-ins to the Avengers, and Thor is the center of a mystery that we get solved in this episode. It was fantastic. There's also some Loki, some Warriors 3, a lot of Asgard. It's a fantastic episode, so we are going to talk all about it, and also we're going to talk about the newest issue of Thor from Marvel Comics, written by Donnie Cates. If you are out there and you are enjoying this current run of Thor, let me know. Reach out to us at Mighty Thor Podcast on Instagram. We would love to talk to you about the issue, but today we are going to review it on the show. So we're going to do those two things, and later on in the show, we will talk to you about how you can support the show further just from where you're at right now. We would love to talk to you about that, but let's get to our double feature first. Before I jump into the covering of the third episode of What If, I just kind of wanted to give you guys my thoughts about What If as a concept, as a series so far. I have really enjoyed uh, every single episode they've done. The Peggy Carter, Captain Carter episode was fantastic. Steve Rogers as the Hydra Stomper was so much fun. And um, getting to see uh, Red Skull (laughs) bring in a giant monster that immediately takes him out and then... Peggy has to take care of the monster. That that was just an awesome, kind of an action episode. It was very action heavy. Really enjoyed that episode. And then the uh, very, uh, I'll be honest, guys, an emotional episode two with uh, Chadwick Boseman's last performance as T'Challa. He is actually Star-Lord in the second episode of the What If series. It was, uh, it, it was, I had mixed emotions about it. I was really happy that he got to play the character in some form one last time, but um, it just, it, it really just stinks that he, um, he's gone um, and uh, actually as of the recording. Uh, of that I'm doing this right now it is the one year anniversary of his passing so um definitely the second episode is um is is different and significant in its own way i think that is um a great performance from him just to embody a character in T'Challa that uh he's not the black panther in this episode so he has to kind of play different uh aspects of Star-Lord's personality more the Peter Quill cockiness and the confidence but also be that resolute very wise and uh and knowledgeable T'Challa side as well I, I thought it was a really good performance and um I really enjoyed the series as a whole I hope if you've been able to watch all the three episodes that have posted by now that you've enjoyed them, really, I, I just think this series is, it opens up the bag on so many different things. And that's what it's designed to do. It's literally to make us as fans ponder the question, what if? Watu says it in every episode, uh, you know, that the purpose of these multiverses and the prism uh, of time shattering is that we ponder the question, what if? And I think the series has done a really great job of that so far. But we come to 
the third episode. The third episode is entitled, What If the World Lost Its Mightiest Heroes? So right away, we know that this involves the Avengers and the events of this episode take place during the phase one movies, Iron Man 2, the Incredible Hulk, and for our purposes here today, the original Thor film. All of these films actually take place within the same week. The episode of What If is structured that way that we go from we go from Monday to Friday. And the basic premise of the episode is we see the unfolding of a mystery. We we see several different candidates of the initial Avengers initiative that Nick Fury puts together through S.H.I.E.L.D. These Avengers initiative recruits go, uh, <laughs> they end up getting murdered in very mysterious and shady ways so the episode actually opens up with tony stark dying uh just as natasha romanoff and nick fury have come to help him with something they actually uh end up uh natasha unwittingly ends up murdering tony in some way that that is cleared up for us later on in the episode and then we move to the hammer Having fallen to New Mexico, as it does in the original Thor film, the the hammer has fallen to New Mexico and Thor is on pursuit. So we cut to uh, the perimeter that S.H.I.E.L.D. initially put around the hammer, again, just like in the original movie, except this time, Coulson, Clint Barton, Hawkeye, and Nick Fury are all there, and these guards start going down, and Coulson uh, calls calls out the alarm, and they find out that this this guy, this intruder, who we know as Thor, but they don't know yet, he is taking out these guards one by one in order to get to the hammer. There's a lot of really great lines in here where, uh, as Thor's breaking into the shield site to retrieve the hammer, Coulson and Hawkeye both comment that Thor has really beautiful hair, uh, and they, they definitely animate him in a way where his hair is extra flowy in this uh, episode of What If? And as Thor is about to lift the hammer... Hawkeye's arrow, as he's as he's perched up in that little cage thing, Hawkeye's arrow gets released and it fatally wounds Thor, killing him. And and then all the shield guards turn to Hawkeye and he swears that he didn't shoot the arrow, and and he he is taken into custody for Thor's death. And Barton, even in his cell, is like, you know, I never miss, I never miss, I never misfire. That is just not me. Now, I knew because of the title of the episode that the the Avengers were going to be eliminated in some way. So the death of Thor was expected, but it definitely did draw me in and ask more questions. Uh, the mystery, I, I think the mystery in this episode was really well done. Because the entire time, even up until the reveal, I was like, what, what are they doing here? I, I have no idea where this is going. So I thought the pacing of the episode was really well done, especially uh, since this is more of a mystery style episode, uh, a whodunit. Fury uh, in, the, uh, in the room where they, they've got um, 
Thor's body laid out. Uh, Fury confirms that he's he's dead, and he they did a, a blood report on Thor's body, and they actually determined that he's thousands of years old. So they know he's not he's not from around here. And Coulson has a great line where he refers to Thor as Muscle Beach, which is really great. There's a lot of uh, uh, little comments thrown. Uh, Thor's way fury refers to him as a space corpse that looks like a Chippendales dancer. So they both just take these shots at, at basically Chris Hemsworth's uh, interpretation of the character, just being this, you know, hulking, good looking, um, muscular guy. And uh, they even say that even as Thor's corpse is rotting, uh, he smells like lavender. That's kind of the, the, the through joke as his body is even decaying. And they're like, oh man, he still smells really good. So we jump ahead in the episode. There's some uh, interactions between Hulk, uh, Bruce Banner, and Natasha Romanoff um, that uh, are, are, are really uh, interesting and cool. Um, but basically, the Avengers are being picked off one by one. And we come to Asgard's response to Thor's death. The uh, soon-to-be king, the the eldest son of Odin, has died, and Asgard has to respond. So Loki, Sif, the Warriors Three, and an army of Asgardian soldiers arrive in New Mexico to respond to Thor's death, to confront S.H.I.E.L.D., and to presumably take his body back to Asgard. And in 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 the way uh, they they want to find out who did it, and they want the person who has murdered their their prince to uh, be punished. It's really interesting to see Loki in a leadership role here, because normally you would think Thor would be the guy leading these style of style of missions, and Loki is very much more the diplomat. So Loki is. Um, He's definitely suited for this leadership role, but in a very different way from Thor. So uh, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. uh, and Fury uh, have uh, an initial uh, interaction with Loki that doesn't go well. Loki uses the casket of Ancient Winters to freeze all of the agents' vehicles, and he he sends them a warning. He gives Fury a day, uh, one 24-hour period, to find Thor's killer, or he threatens that Midgard will be reduced to ash and ice. I do love this version of Loki because he's very loyal to Asgard, even even when he has his own motives behind the scenes. So uh, Loki in here, voiced by Tom Hiddleston, great, great job. And we come to a part in the episode where Black Widow has been taken out, but before she's taken out, she figures out that the person picking off all the uh, members of the uh, Avengers initiative is Hank Pym. And the reason that Hank Pym is trying to take out the Avengers is because his daughter, Hope Van Dyne, who was a former shield agent died in the line of duty. So Hank Pym is behind all these murders. He's getting revenge on shield and fury for the death of his daughter. Uh, and fury goes to Loki as the 24 hours are elapsing, Fury goes to Loki and he presents a plan that we, we don't get to hear or see, but they, they devise a scheme together. So Fury lures Pym to Hope's graveside and the two get in this heated conversation. Michael Douglas as Hank Pym is phenomenal in this episode. He is, he is so angry and bitter and, and it's a really interesting side of his acting that um, that you get to see in this episode. It's, it's, it's really great. Little do we know though that 
Loki is in this scene, Loki is disguised as Fury. So the dialogue here is stellar. Uh, and if you have a chance, rewatch the scene and remember that it's not Fury talking to Hank Pym. It's actually Loki talking to Hank Pym. There's this arrogance, this smugness, this desire for revenge for his brother's death. It's really a fantastic fantastic scene and the dialogue is great also hearing samuel l jackson say low-key style lines is just phenomenal uh he's he's not really as cool and calm as samuel jackson usually is he's much more brash and arrogant it's it's really great Loki as Loki as Nick Fury fights Pym he he slaps him out of the out of the air he uh, also um he's just a step ahead of Pym no matter where they are in the fight, Pym really doesn't get uh, the upper hand ever. Loki confuses him with illusions. At one point, the great the graveyard is completely filled with Nick Fury illusions. The fight is, needless to say, the fight is hilariously one sided, and um, the there comes a point where uh, Hank Pym asks if he if Fury cared about any of them. And then Loki, as Fury, says, oh, I don't care about any of them. And you you truly believe it. Loki does not care about anybody else but himself, and it fits his personality to a a T. Pym gets frozen in midair, presumably by the casket, um, and uh, he's captured, and the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents swarm in to take Pym into, into custody. And Pym actually refers to Loki as the goth kid, which is, uh, I thought that was a great little uh, way to jab at Loki. Now, Fury says to Loki, uh, take your hammer and get off my planet. Loki has a different plan. Loki thinks he should stick around a little bit longer. And then they go to the next day, the last day of the episode, Friday. And Loki has subjected the entire Earth in one day. We're shown glimpses of the whole Earth reacting to Loki's takeover. Loki gives us the familiar speech that we know, you know, that that humanity craves subjugation. And Loki says that he's here to help humanity fulfill its destiny. Uh, Fury goes on a recovery mission to get Steve Rogers and Captain Marvel um, so that they can fight back against Loki's tyranny. Um, and then we're kind of just left on this cliffhanger. Uh, most of the original Avengers are, are are dead at the end of this episode and Loki has already taken over. It's kind of interesting to see in this episode, Loki wins in the end. He actually gets everything he wanted, and Fury is the one that's on his heels having to react to it. I thought it was a really, really great episode. I really hope they follow up with this, possibly in Season 2. Maybe they'll do the second part of this arc. Really enjoyed this episode. There's lots of Asgardian goodness throughout this episode. Loki is weirdly at the center of this episode, uh, definitely towards the, the climactic fight of the episode. A lot of really funny references, that really refreshing uses of old lines that we've known. It's cool to see how the events of the original Thor uh, could have played out really differently. Um, this was our first real glimpse of Asgardians in the show, and I just, I really can't wait for them to show up again. That is my thoughts on the third episode of What If. I thought it was a really good uh, use of the characters, and we found out at the end who killed Thor Hank Pym, of all people, he was responsible for Barton's arrow going through 
Thor's chest. So we blame Hank Pym on this third episode of What If for killing our favorite God of Thunder. Oh, man. I really hope we get to see more of Thor. I I think we actually are going to get to see more of Thor in What If. It'll, it'll be an awesome, awesome episode, I'm sure. I have to be honest with you listeners, I have not kept up with this current run of Thor uh, as well as I should have. I know that, man, it's getting just uh, really, really great recommendations. Donnie Cates has uh, written for Thor for the last few years, and his run has already been um, lauded up there with some of the some of the best writers that have ever done Thor. So really, it's a shame on me for not having read this run yet, but we're going to jump in today, and hopefully every month we can be reviewing and looking forward to the newest issue of Thor. We get... Thor content every month. And uh, really, I want to keep you Thor fans up to date on what's going on in his world as new stories come out every single month with Marvel Comics. So this is issue 16 of the current run of Thor, again, written by Donnie Cates. This issue is guest artist by uh, Michelle Bandini. There's uh, a lot of different uh, letterers on here. We got uh, Joe Sabino. He is the designer on this. Will Moss is the editor. Will Moss has been on the Thor book for a long, long time. A lot of great creators on this book. And we're actually in the middle of an arc called Revelations right now. This is the second of three parts. So luckily in Marvel Comics, at the, the opening page of the books, they kind of bring you up to speed on what's going on in the the current stories, what Thor's been up to. So I'm going to actually read that for you, and then I will break down the issue and let you know what I thought about the newest issue of Thor. Here we go. Thor is the god of thunder and the all-father of Asgard. Of late, he has had trouble with his hammer, Mjolnir. Sometimes it is too heavy for him to lift, and other times people like his brother Loki are able to lift it despite the fact that no one but Thor should be able to. Deciding that Mjolnir's disobedience must be because he is now Asgard's king and no longer its warrior, Thor leaves the unruly hammer in the only place he thinks safe, within the Avengers' mountain so that he can focus on being a better king. But Mjolnir is not the only thing keeping the Allfather up at night. So we're drawn in a little bit with uh, Thor's complicated relationship with the hammer. And there is something haunting Thor uh, that we are going to learn a little bit about in this issue. So we open up the first few pages. Thor is reliving this nightmare that he's been having as of late of Thanos wielding Mjolnir. And it's embossed with the Infinity Stones, which I just Man, the first first few pages of this issue were fantastic because you get to see Mjolnir with infinity stones all around it. It's spectacular. He's Thanos has defeated multiple superheroes. We get to see, uh, I think, Spider-Man's in there, Captain America, Iron Man, and, and a few others. And then at the end of the this little nightmare that Thor is having, Thor is killed off screen we we see kind of a blood splatter come back up at thanos after he has presumably killed thor and that's when thor wakes up that's when the nightmare is over we cut to thor 
retelling all of this to Jane Foster as they're walking on the streets of New York City. They have this conversation and and through the questions that Jane is asking Thor, we're kind of brought up to speed on what's been going on. And uh, it really is, is a good way to for the two characters to have a conversation, but also for uh, readers who have lapsed a little bit like myself to be brought up to speed on what's going on and how Thor is processing this, um, this struggle, this tension that he's having, not only with the hammer, but with these nightmares that are kind of a foreshadowing of his, of his doom of end times, uh, those types of, of themes. Thor has a great little aside where he stops at a hot dog stand and he orders a ton of food in this very casual New York dialect. And they they have a little conversation about how Thor knows tons of languages and he, you know, why wouldn't he know the New York dialect is really kind of a a funny, uh, funny little uh, part of their conversation. I really enjoyed that. And then all out of nowhere, the wrecking crew shows up uh, and Jane transforms into her battle armor uh, to engage them. Thor doesn't have the hammer, but he and Jane still defeat the wrecker and his crew pretty easily. I always like when classic villains show up and make cameos in new stories. So it was really kind of fun just to see the wrecker and his crew show up really briefly kind of have that little bit of a fight and then uh, get dispatched pretty easily. The way that the way that the wrecker is taken out is Thor Thor swings and beats him with his own crowbar. So a little bit of irony there. And then towards the end of the fight, Jane and Thor finish up their conversation. And then Odin's ravens, who are now Thor's ravens, Hugin and Munin, come to Thor and they say that he needs to go see his mother, Freya. So Jane parts with Thor. She goes after the rest of the wrecking crew and Thor is heading off to Vanaheim. Jane's last little thing she says to Thor is focus on being a better king. Just, just clear everything out. Focus on that one thing. You're the all father. Now you have to focus on your people on Asgard, on the nine realms. So go do that. Thor departs for Vanaheim, and instead of meeting up with his mother, he's greeted by Odin, and they do not have a great first interaction. The two of them posture as if they're going to fight, and then out of nowhere, this giant uh, beast, this uh, it's like got horns, it kind of looked like a rhinoceros, it kind of looked like an elephant, it was just a big old ugly monster comes out of the trees and it attacks them both. And Odin is wondering, hey, where's the hammer that would be really helpful right now? Uh, Thor does not explain in the moment. But then the beast just stops and its its head just slides off of its neck. And we're like, we're meant to see the off panel. Uh, Thor and Odin are both like, oh, no. And uh, Odin even's like, oh, hell. The head slides off and it's because... Thor's mother, Freya, has sliced his head off, and she is accompanied by Angela, who is the, uh, she's the queen of hell, she is also Thor's sister, and we're left in the last page where uh, Freya just says, okay, we need to talk. So, 
lots of of to be continued here there's a lot that's probably going to happen in the third issue of this arc that comes out next month but i thought this issue was was a really good really simple story uh even for me um being a lapsed kind of a lapsed person when it comes to keeping up with the current issues of thor i really enjoyed it because it was a kind of a a a fade in to this story for me i definitely need to go back and catch up on the rest of donny cates's run on thor but i really liked this issue and i can't wait to see what happens next month uh the preview art for it is thor walking away from mjolnir so maybe maybe something happens with mjolnir in the third episode i can't wait to see what this conversation they need to have uh with thor's mom and odin and uh angela like i can't wait to see what happens with that uh surely something something has got to happen with these nightmares that thor is having uh also when does thanos get this hammer when does thanos get mjolnir and kind of you know trick it out with all the infinity stones lots of questions uh hopefully some of them are answered next month in thor number 17 really really enjoyed this issue That does it for the show today, everybody. I hope you enjoyed our look at the third episode of Marvel's What If? And the question of who killed Thor. It was Hank Pym, that dastardly Ant-Man. And our look at the 16th issue of Donny Cates' run on Thor in Marvel Comics. It was a great issue setting up the uh, last part of the Revelation storyline. So, hope you enjoyed those two deep dives. If you want to go support the show further, please go to iTunes, rate and review the show there. Also on Spotify, you can follow us, subscribe on both of those so you never miss an episode of Across the Bifrost when it goes up in our feed for the podcast. And until we see you again aboard the Rainbow Bridge, don't forget to stay worthy.